Oh, good morning. We are uh, continuing this series as we're looking uh, through the elements of the communion service and asking that question, is worship which is pleasing to God? And we're going to use these words a little bit later. The Lord is here, the Spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. That, of course, is the introduction to the, the transgression prayer. So we come with lifted hearts and thankfulness to the Lord. And the response in the service is the president praises God for his mighty acts and all respond, holy, holy, holy Lord. So firstly, I was sitting there thinking, I didn't need to do a sermon. You just need to read the words of that thing that we sang. I'll see if I can add a little bit to that. Um, God, uh, holy, holy, holy Lord. So it's uh, praising a God of Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please, in the name, all of the three persons are holy. God of power and might, the power to create, the power to save, the power to forgive, the power to resurrect, and the power to recreate. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Everywhere, this realm and above, the fullness with God. Yet the Prince of the Air reigns this life in opposition to God, defeated, but not yet finished. That will happen when Jesus comes again. Hosanna in the highest. Adoration, joy and praise as high as God goes. That is a picture of heavenly worship because these are heavenly creatures we see in that reading in Isaiah that we just heard. Now on Wednesday night I was um, with the Young Adults Hess group. We've just started looking at Ephesians. The very introduction to Ephesians goes like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus. And I asked the question, how would Paul write to us? Would he be able to call us holy and faithful? And the answer was, of course, we're set apart by him. Four things, that's what holy means. So I said, but what about growth in holiness? And the answer was, I can't add to what Jesus has already done. But do we know that we are saved? If so, if we have that assurance, why do we need to worry about what we do? Because it's all done. No, because James says that faith without works is dead. All good answers. But it was an interesting discussion. But a quick story on justification. That is salvation by Jesus taking our sins on the cross and sanctification, that is that process of becoming more Christ-like that we're called to. And the fact that some will not get into the kingdom and then we moved on. And I've been grappling with these ideas for a week. Now I close our discussion on Wednesday by uh, suggesting that we need to caution against the sin of complacency. 
The Israelites thought that by their status as the chosen people, they were assured God's blessing and redemption. But this led to license to rebel against God, and ultimately that led to their punishment culminating in the exile. God continually calls us back to him and to obedience to his good ways. So what does holiness mean? Well, there are basically three uses of that word. The first one is holy as a description of God's very nature. It's from the Hebrew word to cut, and it means the creator is separated from creation. It is who he is. That's why when Moses approached the burning bush, it was holy ground. Contained in holiness is God's nature, his goodness, his purity, his greatness, his compassion, his patience, his justice, his righteousness. He is holy because he is the epitome of all that is good and all that is perfect. But secondly, we can use the word applied to ourselves as believers. Collectively, we are set apart as holy. God's chosen are separate, set apart from the world. We are supposed to be in the world and not of the world. We are justified by faith alone, not by works. We don't earn our salvation. So this aspect of holiness is wholly given and wholly received, it's not earned. We cannot indeed, as one of the answers gave on Wednesday, add to what God has done. We are holy by the fact of our faith and by the act from God. But there is this aspect, this third aspect of personal holiness. We are justified by Jesus' death on the cross, which is an event, and while we are being made like him by the work of the Holy Spirit, which is a process of sanctification. And this is evidenced by good works. That is the obvious fruit of our growing into what God has called us into. So they have no value of themselves, as far as God is concerned. But as we grow more like him, we start to demonstrate some of these things that look like him. Demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, using our gifts of the Spirit and reflecting the kingdom in worship, prayer, Bible study, work with God, loving God, loving others as we would ourselves, and of course loving justice and mercy and walking humbly and serving others. The key is that we do these things because we grow, not as a repayment for what he has done. We can't repay him. Anything good we do earns no reward. It is a right response to what we already have. So while it's true, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, says in Timothy. It's also true that since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence to God. And we can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is Paul in 2 Corinthians. And Peter also gave a call, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am And finally, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be 
holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We are saved by faith. Salvation comes from the Lord and the gift of faith from the Lord. Yes, we cannot answer that, but there is more in which we co-partner with him. There's a sense that simply to say, I believe in Jesus, is not enough. Intellectual assent is not enough. Our baptism vows are submit to Christ, turn to Christ, come to Christ, again and again and again. This means joining the fellowship, praying, immersing in scripture, being accountable for our conduct, repenting and growing. Paul told the Romans, for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I think that raises the question of how we show our heart and our faith, or how we seek to be set apart from the world and be holy. The prosperity gospel proclaims that we deserve blessings because of God's good favour. This is a very worldly view that dismisses and is constantly shocked by the world's brokenness. It demeans grace. But the word grace means a generous giving of that which is not deserved. Certain forms of progressive Christianity fall into the same trap. Of course God would want me to have my own desire in life if he loves me. And this can be quite unhelpful, as it doesn't prepare us for suffering and endurance in this world where blessing and comfort and satisfaction are not guaranteed. The truth is, we don't deserve it, anything. But by grace, we get more than we deserve. So we do receive grace and blessing through God's loving, holy nature and his perfect will. There is nothing we can do to repay him. His Holy Spirit enables us to respond in ways that are counter to the culture and the world around us as we seek to be like him as we are called. But we don't need to be perfect. But we do need to persevere and to try. And we can see this in operation in uh, that famous phrase in Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we're called to fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. We must always be cautious of sin and complacency. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So what is worship pleasing to God in his holiness? Well, I think firstly it is worship that worships God as set apart and full of goodness. 
not imputing worldliness or humanity into him, because that's totally inappropriate, but wonder and awe at the Holy God. Secondly, an emphasis that we are set apart for him, not of the world, but in it. And thirdly, a worship that encourages us that the spirit-filled worship I spoke of a couple of weeks ago, that enables and empowers us to grow in Christ likeness and confesses and repents and that we hold each other accountable for things of the flesh. And so we are all encouraged to keep in step with the Spirit and show the fruit of the Spirit. I think if we manage those three things, he will certainly be pleased. All for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for that hymn that so wonderfully captures the idea of your holiness. But even in song or in words, we cannot fully express what your holiness means. Please receive our meager offering, our sacrifice of praise, that you are holy, holy, holy. We thank you that you have set us apart as a body of Christ to be holy in the world. We set apart for you. Help us by your spirit to honour that by growing in Christ-likeness. Never achieving perfection for that comes when your son comes again. But help us to persevere. We pray this in Jesus' name.